2: Stirring in the sky It don't matter what I do When that lightning strikes She can make me fall like
0: What's happening, everyone? What's going on? How you doing? It's Jay Scott. It's the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I always appreciate you listening and stopping by and uh, giving us a follow, like, or whatever on any podcast platform that you're listening to. Don't forget to write us a review and let us know what you think of the episode. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Check them out at pantheonpodcast.com, as well as on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Pantheon Pods. And you can do the same on all three of those platforms for the Hook Rocks. Just search Up the Hook Rocks and uh, check us out. And don't forget to set your app to automatic download or wherever you do listen. We're approaching our four-year anniversary. We're approaching 500 episodes. It's been a great journey of talking rock and roll over these past few years, and I appreciate every one of you. So be on the lookout for some special content that we're going to be doing around those dates. They'll be probably happening in May or June. Um, and don't forget to check out some of the recent episodes we've done. We had Matt Wake on the great rock journalist talking about the new LA Guns album. We had Phil Lewis from LA Guns on as well, talking about the new album and what's been going on in their camp. We also just did our quarterly review of the top albums released from January through March. And the EP of my next guest was mentioned on that episode too, as well. So check that out. It's always A fun episode. We really kind of get into the dirt of the albums and go on for two, three hours talking about uh, the top ten albums of the quarter. So uh, I do appreciate you listening to that. We also recently had Jared James Nichols and Tuck Smith on talking about their tour. That was a fun conversation, as well as the Meta Dead and the Dead Deads and Josh Kennedy from the Black Moods talking about their tour that just wrapped up here, their two-week trek across the country um, don't forget to check out some other previous episodes, Dax Nielsen, Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick, our live album quarterly review of Exit Stage Left, the great Rush album, and Skylab, our professor of audio talking, collecting vintage audio systems. That guy is awesome. He always brings some great information and the old Pioneer systems and the Kenwood systems back in the day and It was an inspiring episode, but when I look at my bank account, I realize that uh, I'm not that inspired because uh, to collect that stuff now is is a lot of money, a lot of dough. But at any rate, our next guest is one of my favorite artists over the last 10 years. He has solidified himself as one of uh, the giants in the emerging rock scene with his guitar playing, with his music and his band, The Shakedown, and that is Tyler Bryant. Tyler Bryant and The Shakedown. What's happening, man? How are you?
2: Hey, man, it's great to see you again. It's
0: always good to see you here on the show or live. I had a chance to see you at Reggie's, as you know, back Mm -hmm. in the fall on a cold fall day in Chicago. It was ridiculous, but you absolutely kicked ass, as you usually do, man. It was
2: a great show to see. You know, it was so cool playing that show at Reggie's because we were, you know, one street over from Chess Records. Yeah. And for the show, I tried to go over there and get a tour And they they were closed. They weren't doing tours. But then I saw someone that had booked a private tour go in. So I just knocked on the door until someone came. And I was like, can I just, I'll give you my money. Just let me do their tour with them. And they let me kind of tack on to this private tour. And it was so much fun, man. And I felt so inspired playing that night. Just being, knowing, okay, on on this block was where so much of my favorite music was recorded.
0: What's that like for you? I mean, obviously, you just made that statement, but kind of walking through there and you being such a blues fan of, you know, the greats. And a lot of those greats came from Chicago mm-hmm. and to be in that that space and, and have that
2: moment. What was it like for you to kind of to, to see all that? Well, I mean, from like a, you know, a, his, a historic perspective, it's cool to just know this is where it went down. This is where you know, so many of these records happened. And then from like an artistic perspective, like looking around and going, these walls aren't that special. You know, this is, this is just a room. And, and being reminded, it's not where you are, it's what you do, you know? And and do I think, do I think that that place in, in Chicago, of course, like influenced the blues a hundred percent, you know, gave us some of the great blues, you know? And, uh but also do I think that, Willie Dixon and Muddy Waters, you know, if, if they were in some other room would have been amazing. hundred percent, you know, so it's just it was cool to to they played music at the end of the tour. And I just closed my eyes and listened to it. And and it was it was just like trying to imagine ghosts.
0: I had the pleasure of seeing Buddy Guy Uh, This past January, and it was about 20 years since I had seen him before. And he just announced his farewell tour and he was doing some residency shows at at legends in Chicago. Right. Uh, Leilani Kilgore was the opener and I brought my nephew had just turned 21 to the show. And I, over the holidays, I was like, I'm taking you to see buddy guy. He's like, why I go, because you need to see buddy guy. You may not appreciate it at this age, but at some point in your life when he's long gone, you're going to say I got a chance to see him and he's the last of the remaining Chicago blues greats. Yeah. Being in that room, you kind of, you felt that, especially my, for myself who's such a fan of that genre of music, seeing him up there and what he represents and how he's the last one um, is, is really special that he's still around for us to see. And, you know, for anyone that's listening, I know he's doing his farewell tour, I don't know if he's still going to do residency shows. I think the rumor is he still will do that. But if you have a chance to see him and you haven't, or if you want to bring a nephew or a young cousin or a young or or your son or daughter, whatever, go do it because it's such a, such an important piece, especially if you're a music fan.
2: Certainly is, man. I've seen Buddy so many times. I always get such a kick out of his banter too. Yeah. I love that he is not afraid to talk trash to the crowd. Yeah. (laughs) He's earned it.
0: He did the song, uh, was it Cheaper to Keeper, um, about divorce and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, it was hilarious. It was great. So good. And then he was drinking uh, cognac. I think he drank a whole bottle of cognac while he was on stage, too, as well. He earned it. He earned (laughs) it. it. (laughs) He did. But that period of music, you know, before we dive into the EP, you know, obviously it influenced you and, and those greats have. You know, when you're listening to music and you kind of go into that blues rabbit hole and you kind of just go into whether it's Otis Rush or Sonny Boy Williamson or Mm -hmm. Magic Sam, you know, you've heard this music a lot, right? It's influenced you. How do you how do you still get inspired by it?
2: Well, I mean, there's still always new stuff to find, you know, Um, I just I, I make playlists now. I mean, it's, you know, I just I have a playlist of like six, 700 blue songs that I, that I love. And a lot of times if I, I can hear like a second of something and I'll, and I'll log it into my playlist and I may not finish it right then, but then it's like, I'm saving it for later. And I, and then all of a sudden I find like, um, recently I've been on this Coco Taylor kick and listening to some of, some of those songs, like Wang Dang Doodle. And like the way she's singing is so powerful. And, I never knew about that when I was a kid, you know, or growing up and I was studying blues. I was so, so zoomed into lightning Hopkins and Robert Johnson and Otis rush that i missed a, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of great. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to still be finding stuff that I didn't know about, you know, but with blues, with country, with rock, you know, just trying to keep listening and, and finding things that that are inspiring that make me want to, pick up my guitar and write a song.
0: You are the guitar player that you are. You have your approach, you have your, you know, your, your way of playing and you hear other guitar players and you hear their approach. And when you're listening to different things, do you always, do you try to understand their approach and kind of try to play it that way to maybe stretch your plane or push your
2: plane? Um, Yes and no, you know, I mean, there's certain, there's certain things that, that I just don't even um really touch, you know, it's like, if I listen to uh like Scott from Rival Sons, he's got a very distinct style, you know, and when I listen to him, I think, oh, that's really cool. And I love that you're, that you have such a d- distinct style, but I, whenever I would go to play a solo, I wouldn't try to do it like him just because I thought he had a distinct style. I would try to Do it like me, um, in my style. And, uh, and so many of my favorite guitarists had that, you know, like Jeff Beck had the most distinct style. And I will, I will admit that there have been many and many a night, especially when I was on the road with Jeff, like, you know, I'd get back to my hotel room and just try and cop his style and his licks and, you know, rip off as much as I could. But still, even if I'm trying to do his tricks, it's, you know, the, it's going through my heart and soul, you know, and that's the cool thing about the guitar is I could play the same lick as Jared Nichols or the same lick as my wife. And it's going to sound different with all three of us playing, you know, because it's, uh, you know, it's sort of like your, uh, your soul is like a strainer, you know, you dump all the inspiration through. And it's, I don't know, it's, 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 um. It's it's a hard thing to wrap my head around, really, but inspiration and how you channel inspiration and, and turn it into something. And I, I really, I think the, the hope is just coming up with your own style and then hopefully inspiring someone to take something from it and then come up with their own style.
0: I think of that story with Ted Nugent, Eddie Van Halen, I think it was the Texas Jam back in the 70s, late 70s. Mm-hmm and van halen was doing a sound check and ted went to go and check it out and asked eddie if he could play his guitar after the sound check and he was trying to play it and he goes i don't it doesn't sound like you yeah like well because you're not me It's, it's you and you know it is even i think sometimes guitar players get caught up in that you know hearing a tone or hearing a style that it's all about there's so many things that go into playing guitar as you know it's the attack it's the how you know your right hand is almost important as your left hand and and it's just the way you, you you hit the strings and all that that it's it's almost impossible to unless you really really try to do it it's almost impossible to sound like somebody
2: else yeah man it's i love the chet atkins story where um you know, someone says to Chet, they're like, man, that guitar sounds amazing. And he leans it up on the wall and says, how does it sound now?
0: <laughs> that is
2: that's a good story. That's a good. Yeah.
0: yeah. You know, when you think, too, of of the blues and you think of how it inspired so many artists and you talked about Jeff Beck, what was
2: it about him that inspired you? I mean, man, there was so much um, at first it was just how he didn't sound like anybody else. He had a a style completely of his own, you know, and he was constantly pushing it and developing it. And, you know, like a a true innovator, he was constantly innovating and coming up with, I mean, even, I feel like Jeff, his, the records that he was putting out towards the end of his life, I feel like those records don't get talked about as enough because he was, still innovating it you know when he was in his 70s and coming like he was doing stuff that like there was one night where um we played in salt lake city and um machine gun kelly the um you know the artist was playing the arena across the street and he and i had met recently at like a fashion week or something like that and so i texted him and i went over and and um was hanging with him on his bus, and I was like, have you ever heard this Jeff Beck song called Pull It? You know, and at the time, he's doing, like, rock and roll and hip-hop and, you know, top 40 music. And it was so fun to watch him get inspired by a guy in his 70s making music that sounds more dangerous than the music that a lot of people in their, you know, 20s are making. And uh, I always just that's one of the things I love about Jeff is he was always pushing it, you know. And then the, the longer I got to uh, know him, I was inspired by, you know, watching him soundcheck and how he was pushing his band. He wasn't just pushing himself. He was pushing his band. He was constantly surrounding himself with people who were going to help elevate him, you know, and people that he was going to elevate as well. You know, he was constantly putting together just ferocious bands. And he never stuck with the same thing for too long. He was keeping himself engaged and inspired. And I don't think there's a lot to take away from that, for me at least.
0: Yeah, that's the most interesting thing about him. When you think of those those British blues greats who were a derivative of the Chicago blues, um, and you think of Clapton, you think of Page, and you think of Back. Back was really a true artist, you know, where he's this known as this blues giant in the beginning of his career with the Jeff Beck group and, and the Yardbirds and all that stuff. And then he goes complete different direction with fusion. Yeah. And, you know, to do that, that's, I mean, that's a, that's the amazing part about him is because no, I don't, I can't think of anyone who completely changed their direction in the middle of their career to what they were known for and kind of almost like started over. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I, I mean, I have no doubt he probably could have done that five, five, six, seven times. You know, there was this- there was one night where uh, I was I knocked on his dressing room door and because uh, I, I heard him playing and I just wanted to go in and sit and listen and then knocked on the door and asked if I could come in. And he said, yeah, check it out. This is going to freak all those Nashville cats out. They'll never be able to figure this out. And he was playing like this chicken picking thing. And I was going, yeah. Best players in town would struggle to to figure that out.
0: Yeah, he was magic. He was magic. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, as with something bad, of course, is passing. Something good always happens, and that good is that people, I think, are rediscovering him. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think at some, you know, with with some people, he may have been forgotten, but you know, when someone of that level passes, and his music meant so much to people like yourself and others. You know, people do the casual music fans like, well, who's this Jeff Beck guy? And they start listening to him. And, you know, right. if anything is an, is is a tribute to their legacy, it's that is when people rediscover them because of, of um, you know, that they move to the other side. Mm-hmm. So the new EP, Dirty Work, when I had you on last time talking about the new album, you met, we talked about you being independent and having this is your first independent album. And one of the things that you talked about was being able to put music out whenever you wanted to do it. Yeah. And here we are six months yeah. later, you're putting out dirty work.
2: Yeah. That was, putting this out. That was the goal, you know, of starting uh rattle records, you know, when, for those who don't know, uh, you know, about me or the shakedown, we we've started our own independent label called Rattleshake records. That's owned and operated by us. And, um, you know, so shake the roots was the first one. And that was sort of the, let's put our toes in the water and, and, you know, see how it feels. And, and we were overwhelmed at the support we got from not only our fans, but also streaming services, press. And, and we, that was sort of like a, we took a leap of faith and didn't know if we were going to get anything, you know, and, and we we're really pleased with the, you know, that release. And I was, um, I was just trying to think about, and this is just how it goes, you know, there's constantly, uh, ideas coming up. And and in the past, we've always had ideas. Let's do this for Record Store Day. Let's do this for, you know, this show. And and Fender was getting ready to release um, a signature model guitar. And I, I just kept thinking, I feel like I would be doing myself a huge disservice not to accompany the guitar with a shell pink vinyl record of new music that is me playing a Stratocaster the way that I love to play a Stratocaster, you know? And, and it was really fun to kind of think about that, you know, this honor, you know, like the honor of having a guitar in the back of my head while I'm working on these tracks going, come on, dude, play something that's worth worthy of having your name on a guitar and letting that sort of drive, drive me a little bit. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm really pleased with how it turned out. and, And we're, we're just happy to share more music with our, with our fans.
0: What was the feeling for you when Fender approached you about doing your signature model?
2: Oh, I was thrilled. I was thrilled. I mean, it's, it's something I've always dreamt of. And, um, yeah, it just, it, it didn't even really feel real. I mean, it's been years in the making. They sent me, they sent me through a contract like, two years ago on my birthday and it was being talked about before then. So it's probably like three years time of, you know, being a conversation. And then it was getting the guitar to Los Angeles and um getting prototypes and, you know, fine tuning and all that. But uh yeah, it's a, it's a dream come true.
0: For the guitar fishing that are listening, what about your signature model does it have
2: that's outside of what, a regular Fender Strat is known for? Well, it's, um, it's, it's, there's a few things, you know, the, the pickups are, it's got hand wound pickups and then it's got this, uh, like the bridge pickup, which is such a, you know, signature part of my sound is, the, is, um, a pickup designed by this legendary guy, Tim Shaw, who's, you know, designed pickups for all sorts of people, you know, and, and arguably changed the sound of rock and roll with his, inventions and um he came up with this incredible pickup that i've been using for years so it's cool to have it in this guitar and then um a friend of mine hand engraves each pick guard takes him hours to do so they're all slightly different but they you know you would never you would never notice that you'd have to get to kind of side by side and put them under a microscope to notice but it's all done by hand and that was something i really wanted rather than it being like a laser machine like a cnc machine or something like that um yeah but it's it's a it's a bunch of little details you know like putting a long strap peg in it so that your strap doesn't come off halfway through the first song cuz when you you move around as much as i do that's the first thing i have to do on a guitar is put a big old long screw in the strap to just hold it hold it in but uh i all sorts of little nerdy things like that
0: When you wanted to put together kind of the package of the guitar coming out and the EP, you know, what was the approach to the music? Was it kind of inspired by this coming out? Was there ideas that you had already Were these songs kind of demoed and put together that you were kind of revisiting?
2: What were the, where did these songs come from? Well, there's a couple of songs that were already done. Like before we even did, um, shake the roots, you know, like, um, burnin was already recorded um Byron brimstone was already recorded um i'm trying to think more more of the songs than not were were already recorded before we even did shake the roots um and then i just reapproached a couple of things like i replayed the guitar um on burnin just to just to kind of uh because originally i'd played a resonator and i, wa- I was going i won't i don't I don't want to play resonator on this stuff. I want to be playing strat because this is a this is the time for that. And uh, and then like a song uh, like Showbin Worse for example, that was written on uh,
1: Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win.
2: And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package.
1: And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S.
2: On a resonator is like a slide thing. And I had a lot of fun reimagining the guitar parts for that to just be more of a... A six-string ZZ Top inspired type feel good jam, you know. So I, I just kind of was. It was fun to have something in the back of my head driving the decisions.
0: You mentioned a couple of interviews ago on the show, like I think it was the, I think it was for the Pressure album, and you talked about how recording during the pandemic that you actually even recorded so much material, like enough for another album. Mm -hmm. You just talked about the stuff that you had recorded before, and then you hear it, and then you want to play a strat instead of a resonator. Mm -hmm. When you go through that process and you revisit things that you've recorded that you haven't put out yet, do you find that you want to play it differently or find a different approach to it? Does that happen often to you? Because obviously when you don't, here's something for a while and then you go off and create something new. You're in a different place than maybe when you recorded it. Is it important for you to have what you're into now as part of that song that you already recorded? Or does it, does it matter
2: of going back and forth between what it was and what you want it to be now? Man, you know, I think it's really just trying to um, follow the inspiration in the moment, you know, Um, and, and you're constantly, evolving you know i listened to some like earlier shakedown records and i go i would do that different now i would i would do that different because you're constantly growing and, and evolving and you know it's it's cool because putting out records is like taking a picture this is where we are now five months from now we'll be putting out a different picture this is where we are now that was where we were then and um so it's cool to like listen to some of these it was fun to listen to some of these songs and and either accept the photograph or go. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, put make a collage out of this and we're gonna tape a different picture here and we're gonna, cut cut this face out. That the person's no longer they they're not needed in the picture. You know, <laughs> and just kind of edit like that. And there's no there are no rules. That's what I love about making records and and getting to do this is there are no rules. Like there the song Dirty Work originally. When that, when we recorded that song, we threw the kitchen sink at it and it was really cool. We had it mixed and, um, and mastered even. And I was listening to it going, this is so cool. And I don't think we'll ever play it live because there was so much on it that just ultimately didn't sound like the shakedown. Mm-hmm. And so when I opened that session up with, with a few months of perspective, I just, started muting everything, muting all of the ideas that we threw at it. And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, there we are. That's us. Cool. And so, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm still just, I'm thrilled at, um, having the, you know, having sort of the, the musical playground that I do to, to be able to do that with, with our, our music and our songs and, and be able to have an idea to go, let's put out a, a, have an EP with a, with a long song at the end and an instrumental at the front and then having the tools to be able to make that happen.
0: Well, that really is what the independent label does for you guys. I mean, you said something right in that answer that is really the essence of it. You're able to put out music of where you're at now. Yeah. You know, when you're, when you're, when you're with a label, you may Make the record, do the record, and they may not see the light of day for another year. Yeah. Well, you're not there anymore. Yeah. You know? And 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 that's got to be a challenge for an artist to kind of revisit that moment that you did a year ago when you're in a different place. And having an independent label gives you that freedom to say, all right, here's where we're at now. Let's capture where we're at now, totally. and let's put it out in in like sixty days or like yeah. a
2: month or whatever it is. Yeah. So that's got to be liberating for you. Oh, yeah, it's incredibly rewarding. And, um, and I think it just, it opens up so many different possibilities, you know, having the freedom, you know, having the room to run makes you want to run. You know, we're getting, we're getting ready to, um, come May, we're doing a live to vinyl record where it's shakedown is going to a studio and we're playing with an audience live. It'll be mixed and mastered directly to disc. So there will be no edits, no fixes. It's a live show straight to vinyl. We could leave and go take it to the vinyl pressing plant and start duplication that night. You know what I mean? That's awesome. It's always something we've wanted to do. And it's, you know, I think having, having more skin in the game as the record label now is more inspiring to make some of these things happen for ourselves. And, um, And also knowing that if we do it, we have, we can decide if we're going to put it out, not someone else. You know, that's one thing that it's just, you don't, that's, that's a tough situation to be in where you, where you put your heart and soul into something and then someone else can decide whether or not it ever gets to be heard by your fans. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think what's great too is you're, you have that freedom and and obviously there was a lot of thought going into it. And you know, when you, when you record an album straight to vinyl, live to vinyl, that has to be very rewarding, to be able to do that. But there also has to be the excitement of nervousness, right? Like this, you're, there's no, there's no fixes, right? This is, it. Yeah. it. it's, it's cool that you're doing it, but it's also like, all right, we're going to do this. And when, however comes out, it comes out.
2: Yeah, there's no redos. There's no oops. Can we get that one again? You've got 16 minutes aside, you know? So we're kind of like, all right, well, warts and all. Let's, let's go play. But that's also what I love about rock and roll. I love yeah. it whenever I go to like the show I went to last night. I was watching this band, The Wands, and it was great. It was reckless. It was, you know, all over the place and in, in the best and most beautiful way. And I like rock and roll like that. So I'm, I'm excited to to go play live and, you know, capture something. That's the goal, just to capture a cool moment.
0: And having that independent label, that's the exciting thing as a fan of yours or a fan of any artist that does an independent label. You're able to capture what they're doing present day, you know, instead of waiting two years or however it is for for a new album to come out. Because I always like that evolution of an artist and I like hearing that evolution, you you know, hearing the same thing over and over again is great in in some aspects, but I want to hear someone take, take chances, someone, you know, be the artist that they want to be. When, when you were putting together this label and you know, you're in Nashville, you're around a lot of musicians, you're a lot of, a lot of bands and artists. Did you ever talk with someone about doing this independent label? Someone who has done that and kind of, I don't want to say inspire, but maybe guide you into what, what you were getting yourself into. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Leaving what you were, what you were, you know, getting yourself out of. Yeah. I talked to a bunch of um, a bunch of people, but I mean, you know, and and I would, I'd also just like to say like, we, the situation we were in with spine farm was a great deal for us. That was a great company. And, um, and we, and we really enjoy, and we've, we've had great experiences with every label we've ever been at you know, have we had negative experiences as well? Yes. But I think ultimately throughout our career, we've had champions everywhere we've gone and people that I really like to this day have a lot of respect for. Um, but you know, it doesn't matter if we had, um, you know, Jesus Christ himself as the A&R guy going, this is a, this is the record we should release. We would still want to start our own label. It's always just been a goal that we wanted to do, you know? And, um, So I think for me, the person I talked to the most about it was my wife, um, Rebecca. Um, and she, she's in a band called Larkin Poe, as a lot of, a lot of the listeners probably already know. And, um, watching her and Megan, they have Tricky Woo Records, which is their label. And they've been, um, they've been sort of doing that for a long time. And, and I've, and I've seen how hard they both work to make that what it is and how hard their management and team works to make that what it is. And, um, I, I always just kind of thought, well, we work that hard one, when we're on a label. So why don't we just kind of cut out the middleman if we're already working, working this hard and just do, do the work ourselves and, and try to make more money off of our, off of our art so that we can then cherry pick people to, Help us go and, and spread the word about it. So it's, yeah, I, I just, I picked Rebecca's brain a lot. And, you know, they, they never, they don't really advertise Tricky Woo all that much. Um, but with Rattleshake, we felt like we really wanted to empower our fans and we wanted, wanted them to know what our cause was. Cause we, we feel like this is our cause. We're fighting for this. And so it just felt natural for us to go, Hey, this is um, what we're doing. And we really want you to be involved because now it's more than ever. We're fueled by our fans, you know, like we're selling more Rattleshake records, t-shirts on our, I got one hey man. Thank you. We're, you know, but that's like, what's going towards funding, you know, mixing, mastering, printing vinyl. We just opened up a European merch store, you know, um, and, and just kind of, you know, we're now we're now hiring the publicists. We're now hiring the ad companies. We're trying to just and, and I know there's going to be some swings and misses and there already have been, but we're learning with each one, you know, in this Dirty Work record. It's already our fastest streaming album that we've ever put out. You know, we've never had a song where we released music and then a song is immediately like in the top five on Spotify. And I think Shogun Worse is now our number one song on Spotify. Which is crazy. So that sort of, it just validates, to me, it validates the idea of going, because there was so much fear about, well, we don't know if anything, if this is going to work at all. And it seems like we're moving in the right direction.
0: It also validates you putting out music more frequently, too, as you just mentioned with Dirty Work, you know, and the, yeah. and the streams that it's that it's been able to produce and... And people listening, you know, I mean, people always would fear, artists would always would fear putting something out close to what you already just did. Well, we live in a different time now where you got to stay in front of people and, you know, having the success of this EP, like you mentioned, you know, this kind of reinforces what your belief is of putting music out whenever you want to do it. Yeah, people will connect with it and people
2: will resonate with it. So that's got to be um inspiring too as well. Yeah. And you know, the thing I'm really excited about as well is is starting to bring in other artists. You know, we've we've been talking with a handful of people and I've I've been doing a lot of production work as well, you know, um for the last couple years been working with a handful of artists and um we we've got some cool things in the works for Rattleshake with uh with a with a few artists that we really love. And and I think the goal is being run by artists is to do very artist-friendly things, you know, to where it's like, this is about music. And then also just try not to, not to get caught up in the game that so many labels have to play, obviously, because they have a million people that they're paying and they need things to work. Like there are so many guys in Texas that I grew up obsessed with that nobody even knows about. And I'm going, I need to get these, I need to start taking sonic snapshots of these guys while I, while I still can and sharing it with people who, if you like my playing, you're going to love this because I wouldn't be playing without this, you know, and trying to, um, just find ways to, to just make more music. That's, that's really all I care about doing every day.
0: Is it important for you to give back and, and kind of, stay and, and 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 know where you came from
2: yeah absolutely i mean um you know roosevelt twitty was my mentor he was a, a guy i met in a music shop when i was 11 years old and he taught me guitar pretty much well he taught me lightning hopkins and freddie king and john lee hooker licks and he never asked for a dollar or anything you know and it that obviously changed my life it set me on a a that i that i wasn't on prior to meeting him and uh who knows if i would have found music the same without without him so it's you know if if i have the opportunity to do something nice for someone i certainly will you know and because i i'm you know i'm an example of what music can do to people you know music did so much for my family it brought it brought so much good to my family um not just me, you know, but it's it's also allowed me to see the world, make good friends like the guys in the Shakedown to meet my wife. You know, it's all from music. So
0: seeing you live and seeing the band live. It seems like every time I see you, your, your performance is elevated from the previous one and, you know, seeing you at Reggie's this past fall and just seeing the the first of all the joy that you guys have playing with each other second you know the the performance and and just how great it is and then you know to be to be this kind of this unit that is is kind of like a the only word i can think of is it's kind of like an outlaw unit you know where i remember during the performance i think there was a mix up with what stage you were playing with at, at reggie's and we were shouting at the other stage. Guys, I remember that. Stage. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought that was so like kick-ass and so rock and roll to do that, you know, because you don't see those moments that maybe aren't planned and are just kind of feeding off the crowd. You talk about the recording of the music, you talk about the creating, but when it comes down to performing, you know, how do you, how do you get inspired and how do you get inspired from each other in the band to, to kind of
2: keep elevating your performance? Oh man. Well, I'm, I think that we, we all do hold each other, you know, to pretty high standards, you know? Um, and we, and we try to push each other. There's a lot of respect between all of us in the band, but we're, we're constantly pushing each other. Um, and you know, I can turn around and, and look at Caleb without saying anything or making a facial expression. And like, we can lock eyes and, and it's sort of like, I know what he's thinking. He knows what I'm thinking. And it, and then all of a sudden you, you're, you're kind of trying to catch a wave and ride it together. And that's what's fun. You know, we, we don't do a lot of rehearsing, but we do a lot of long sound checks and we talk about stuff, you know, in the, in the dressing room before shows. And it's, and we just, we try new stuff every night and sometimes it, you know, crashes and sometimes it runs. And so it's, uh, it's just fun, you know, but if you could hear some of our, our dressing room game plans—they're so goofy. It's like, all right, man. So I'm gonna go bah, 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 and I'm gonna go, bah, 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 bah. you know. And we're just—it sounds like a bunch of you know hyenas or something. But we just have fun, you know. And we we have fun and try to uh, push each other to to make cool moments.
0: Well, that really isn't—is the essence of an artist, right? Is to constantly be pushing each, yourself and and one another. Because if you get stagnant, then Yeah. The
2: art becomes stale. Totally. And I think we, I mean, this, this is just how we've always been like this. We'll, we'll plan and plan and plan. And then we don't do anything like what we planned, you know, like we did Jimmy Kimmel years back and we, we rehearsed for days, like three days for two songs. We were going to play two songs and we've rehearsed for three days. And then we get on the show and they count us in three, two, you're rolling. And I started the song and it was nothing like we'd rehearsed it for three days. We were supposed to start with a drum intro and I got excited and just started. And I looked at Caleb and, and I see the joy on his face and he's like, let's go baby. You know? And, and it was so fun because we just, it was like, okay, it's time for us to be us. And we just did what we do and we can make a set list, but we barely ever stick to a set list, you know? And we were joking about that the other day. Um, we, we had a, a song on the set list and I wanted to do one song and Graham wanted to do another and Caleb wanted to do another. So he put the song that I wanted on the set list and then he put two others in parentheses and, and, uh, Graham said, why are the, why are they in parentheses? And, and Caleb said, Oh, we're going to make a game time decision. And Graham said, no, you mean Tyler's going to make a game time decision. And so it was hilarious because when we got to that moment in the set, I, I got everyone together and I was like, what song do you guys want to play? And, uh, you know, we, we just have fun. We, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We try to laugh and, you know, if, uh, if Caleb ever misses a snare drum or something, you'll know because we all like at this point have to look at him. Cause years ago he, he said like, uh, if I ever mess up, you guys make it so obvious because you always turn around and look at me. And so now we just do it to mess with him and he barely me- ever messes up. So the audio, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't happen often, but you'll, you'll know if you ever, if he does, cause we, we basically stop what we're doing.
0: The song shake on shake the roots. Uh, Sell yourself is really kind of indicative, I think, to where you're at as a band and as an artist, cause you're selling yourself to the independent label. And mm-hmm. I've used, that lyric in your song. If you don't sell yourself, you're going to be sold by somebody else. With conversations with my son, yeah, I, I you know, I I, 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 he was having some issue, and I, and I said that quote, and he looked at me. And I said, "You determine how people perceive you. You determine how you're sold. You know, like what mm-hmm. you want to give out to the world. And if someone else does it for you, you don't control it. Yeah, right? you don't have that control." And it's very, I think it's such a great lyric because it, it first of all, it shows where you're at as an artist, but it could be applied to everything in life. Yeah. Um, you are who you are. You are your own product at the end of the day. And if someone else is going to take that and sell you to somebody else, it may not be what you want. It may not be yeah. how you want to be perceived. So, you know, just to, just to, have that song, which is my favorite song on Shake the Roots. I know we're talking about dirty work, but I think it's just embodies what you've been going through as an artist and a band over the last year or two. Yeah, man.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. That was um yeah, that's that's sort of been an inspiring one for me too, you know. And uh yeah, it's it's certainly very representative representative of what we're what we're working towards, you know, where we've been and what we're working towards. What's
0: next for you? You got the EP out. Is there more music coming out this year touring? What are the plans
2: for the shakedown in 2023? Yeah, we've got, we've got some tour dates that we're going to be announcing very soon. Um, you know, all, all of our dates are on Tyler, Bryant and the shakedown.com. We've um, we've got this live to vinyl record scheduled for May. So then we'll just be figuring out um, the release of that. And then we're um, we've just, we've been talking about when our next record will, will be coming out and we have we have not started on it but we've been making plans to start getting getting together and and working on that you know in our in our off time so that's that's going to be exciting to figure out what the next piece of the puzzle is with the shakedown you know as far as like what we want to say and and uh sound like on a new record i have no idea what it'll even be yet but um I'm excited about it. These last two these last two releases with Shake the Roots and Dirty Work have, have been. Um, they've, they've been really good for us as a band, you know, to to kind of it feels like a win for the underdogs, you know, and um, and that's just that's that's something we want to keep going. Awesome. Tyler, it's been great. It's been great conversation as always, man. Always great to catch up with you, man. I look forward to uh, seeing you at a show sometime. Absolutely. I'll be there.
0: All right everyone, that's Tyler Bryant from Tyler Bryant The Shakedown. I'm Jay Scott. This is another episode of The Hook Rocks. Take care of each other, stay safe. We will talk soon. Thanks.